Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Shannon Deaton and Jason Creekmore. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we are discussing the science of time travel. Across the table from me, I have avid time traveler Jason Creekmore. Jason, how are you today? Shannon, I'm doing well. I just uh, got back from France, and I saw the Eiffel Tower uh, during the time that it was being created. So I saw that. <laughs> then I jumped over uh, to Egypt real quick. Yeah. And I came back and I even watched Mount Rushmore uh, as it was formed. So I'm having a great time this time. That's awesome, thing. man. So did you uh, did you get the DeLorean up to, what is it, 88-something miles per hour and uh, just, just kind of take off? Yeah, yeah. Just like the movie, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to replace the flux capacitor. Yeah. So I had to stop by uh, Lowe's and pick one of those up. But right. once I did, it worked, and it was, it was great. You know, the only problem with that uh, were the doors of that DeLorean. Have you ever seen <laughs> If you get parked between two cars, you know how it raises up? <laughs> you just you might as well like the time you're in, my friend, because you're not going anywhere. I could go back to the American Revolution, but, but, but I can't park. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'm excited to, to talk about time travel. You know, we were discussing the topic before we got started here and kind of mentioned that it's very scientifically dense. It's one of those topics that's almost hard to generalize. You know, we're familiar with it in the sense of what we've seen in fiction through movies like Back to the Future, novels like The Time Machine, etc., but the science of it itself is very technical. Yeah, you have to definitely, uh, or at least I did, uh, I had to reread some things, you know, a couple times and yeah. kind of digest it and go back and then you know, reference that and, and look at maybe some other articles. So it took a little time to, to prepare uh, sure. for this one. But I will say this is by far one of the most interesting ones, at least to prepare for. I think uh, so, too. Because it, it was really cool. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool that there was so much out there about it. It's not just a, a work of fiction. I mean, there's some real scientific research involved in this. You know, I, I came across several interesting articles and, and big names, which we're going to drop here in just a little bit, who, you know, kind of have a, a, a foothold in this whole idea of time travel. So when we're talking about time travel, first of all, we need to define what it is. So time travel is the hypothetical act of moving between different points in time, either traveling to the past or traveling to the future. Now, not all scientists believe that time travel is possible, but many have not ruled it out, including famously Stephen Hawking. And I have a quote for him, uh, from him here in just a little bit. But, you know, in, in thinking about time travel, we have to also have a common understanding of what time itself is. It, it's more than just a number on a clock, right? Uh, some people think of time as something that's constant, but Albert Einstein showed that time is an illusion, it is relative. It can vary for different observers depending on your speed through space. To Einstein, time is considered the fourth dimension. And that sounds very uh, uh, science fiction-y <laughs> to me a little bit, Jason. You know, this idea of a, we have a fourth dimension, right? Something that's sort of outside of those things that are observable. You know, so, so it's very easy to see things in, you know, two dimensions that having length and width and then also things in three dimensions because, you know, we're in three dimensions. Right. right? Absolutely. But the fourth dimension is, is something that's just a little bit outside of what we can actually see. And I, I just find that fascinating that, yeah, that that's, a little, that's a little more difficult to grasp. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very abstract for sure. Einstein describes face, uh, space as a three dimensional arena having length, width and height. The fourth dimension in this scenario would be direction, which is where time comes in. Now, conventionally, you know, we can only move in one direction through time, and that's forward. But according to a theory called special relativity, which Einstein 
uh, proposed. In this theory, special relativity says that time slows down or speeds up depending on how fast you move relative to something else. So for for an example, if you were able to move at the speed of light, Jason, in a spaceship, right? Elon Musk gets the, the starship online and you're able to, you know, you're going at the speed of light. You would actually age slower than someone standing still on Earth. And that's kind of the big secret here to, to time travel is speed and, and your position relative to something else is uh, it sort of bends time a little bit. And that's when I say that, I, I, you know, I, I know I'm saying something that sounds so much like science fiction, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's but it's true. Right. Because it's been tested. <laughs> that's right. It sounds like the premise of, uh, you know, a future Steven Spielberg film mm-hmm. or, or something like that. But, you know, it's a concept called uh, time dilation, you know, time actually bends just a little bit when we're traveling at a certain speed. So if if you're on the spaceship and you're moving at the speed of light or approaching the speed of light, you would be moving into the future faster than the person standing still. So you're actually, you know, they're, they're aging a little bit more than you are. So this theory has been proven with GPS satellite technology. And I, I knew about this a little bit. I'd uh, heard, you know, a, another podcast I used to listen to a, a long time ago that was talking about time travel. And I knew that they'd done some tests to kind of prove this theory, this idea that if you're moving at a certain altitude and at a certain speed, that you might actually be able to bend time a little bit. So what they did is they launched satellites into space and there are certain satellites that are in space that are equipped with very accurate timepieces and which are traveling at an increased speed above the earth and the neat thing is those satellites that are above the earth and kind of circling it at this uh this very quick speed actually gain some time on clocks that are on the earth actually by 38 microseconds a day so literally those satellites that are traveling so quickly above the earth and so high are traveling just microscopically into the future just a little bit each day. You may say, well, you know, 38 microseconds doesn't sound like a whole lot. And it's really not. A, a microsecond is one millionth of a second. So we're talking about 38 one millionths right. <laughs> of a second yeah. here. So, you know, they're, they're not going very far into the future. Nothing that's perceivable, nothing that we would notice. But it's interesting here to note that if they could go faster and maybe even approach the speed of light, that perhaps we could increase the amount of time that things are traveling into the future. So with that said, uh, there's also another scientific theory that supports time travel. And this is also also in Einstein's arena. It's called the theory of general uh, relativity. And I've seen illustrations of this on YouTube. Uh, if you could just picture a four dimensional fabric <laughs> called space time. And, and for okay, the, I, I <laughs> you got that in mind. It is in my mind. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, in, in layman's terms, let's just imagine a blanket. All right. So, so you just have a blanket laid out. And when anything that has mass sits on that blanket or that four dimensional fabric, it causes a, a little bit of a dimple in, in that blanket, right? Right. Because it, it, it weighs down. It weighs right. down just a little right. bit. You know, gra- gravity uh, is the analogy here, and, and gravity is pulling things down. It causes a little bit of a dimple or a bending of space time. 
in our analogy. Okay. So you can apply this to the cosmos, right? Imagine there's this uh, hypothetical blanket that you can't see (laughs) spread out across the universe. And there are planets seated all around that blanket, you know, just kind of sitting on sort of like marbles. And in every spot on the blanket where that marble presses in, it, it creates just a little bit of an indentation and it pulls that blanket down so that if you were to you know, circle another marble around yeah, it close enough, close enough. It would actually, you know, pull that other going marble. To orbit. Yeah. Going to that planet going to orbit. Yeah. yeah. Now on earth we have gravity, right? In outer space, no gravity. So on earth, if we were to, you know, sort of roll one of the marbles toward the other, it would sort of just collide into it and fall into the hole. But in space, since there's no friction, there's no gravity. Once something else gets caught, it just starts to orbit around that uh, particular entity or, or that planet or, or whatever the case may be. So that bending that we're talking about, that little bit of a dimple, is uh, actually the bending of space-time, and it causes objects to move on a curved path. And that curvature of space is what we know as gravity. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this applies to time travel through the concept of wormholes and black holes and, and those sort of things. But essentially, the idea is that if you can create a force with enough gravity, if there's something dense enough, heavy enough to sort of bend time itself, remember that blanket is the analogy for space-time, then we might be able to to bend time and potentially time travel. So, man, that's just fascinating. <laughs> so all, all we need yeah. is just a, a blanket and a big bowling ball, right? <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of what we need. That's it. So, Jason, what can you tell us about wormholes and how that might apply to time travel? Well, you know, wormholes, I've, I've heard a lot about that, Shannon, over the years, like in movies and, and on websites. And uh, you know, But one important thing to keep in mind is that you know, wormhole, wormholes are entirely theoretical. Uh, there is no scientific evidence that wormholes exist. Uh, however, the idea of them is very interesting. Of course, wormholes are based on the idea that space and time can better be thought of as space-time, which right. is what you know, we just got through talking about there, and, and that that represents the fourth dimension. Uh, The best way to describe how a wormhole would work in theory is uh, imagine a normal 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. And suppose you were to draw uh, two X's on each end of the paper, one on each end. So in this example, in order to get from one X to another, you would simply travel in a straight path across the paper. Right. In this example, the X's would be about, you know, 10 to 10.5 inches apart. The theory behind wormholes suggests that it is possible to shorten the distance between uh, the two X's or two uh, locations by bending space-time. And in a sense, you would be time-traveling. So imagine the 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper again uh, with an X on each end. But this time, instead of drawing a line across the paper from one X to another, wormholes suggest that you could curve the paper itself and make a C-like shape with the paper and simply align the two X's where one is directly above the other. In this model, the X's would be perhaps only, you know, an inch or less between them as opposed to the 10 inches in the normal flat, you know, model. So in effect, for wormholes to work, our playing field, you know, that is the universe uh, in which we live, would have to have the ability to be manipulated to allow this type of travel. Wow. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And of course that was proposed 
uh, by Einstein. Yeah. I saw a movie once that contained that example. I can't remember what it was, but the the guy was trying to explain time travel to somebody else. So they brought out the paper like you were talking about. He drew the two points, one at one side, one at the other. And he asked the other person uh, who we, he was trying to explain the concept to. He said, you know, what's the shortest distance between two points? And of course, the person answered Stra- straight line, str- probably. straight right. line. Right. right. So he said, uh, no. <laughs> and then what he did is he folded the paper in half, just like you said, sort of like a, in uh, education, what we would call hamburger style. Right. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. And uh, he poked a hole from the backside of the paper into the front and then unfolded it again and showed that really the, you know, the fastest point or the fastest uh, way to travel between those two points was straight through. So right. I, I think that sort of too illustrates what you're talking about with the wormhole. It's it's for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a space portal. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's just a. Uh, you know, I've heard it been you know it's, it's described as sort of a uh, an opening or like a tear in the fabric yeah. of of space time. Uh, and you know what's what's there? Obviously, no one really knows because uh, again, wormholes are theoretical. Sure, I think they've not been proven. But there is uh, a substantial amount of science that would indicate that it is possible, right. you know, based on what we know. Yeah. And not only would that bend space-time like you're talking about, that would also possibly give us just a generally faster way to travel, you know, right. just sort of instantaneous from, from point A to point B. So a lot of cool implications That's there. That's right. So so if we're driving from uh, from Lexington, uh, <laughs> Kentucky to Knoxville, Tennessee, if yeah. maybe it would just take like maybe two seconds, sure. right? We could just kind of overlap those. Yeah. And just kind of <laughs> just and, sort of take out I-75, right? <laughs> and I can imagine there would be any negative consequences to bending space-time and overlapping <laughs> those two cities and stepping through, right? This is all safe science, I'm assuming, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all good here. <laughs> So that was a little about wormholes. Uh, how about black holes? That's that's a that's something that's probably a little more common that you hear of in the in the science world. Yeah, well, I think a wormhole might be like a special type of black hole. So black holes are sort of the more generalized circumstance, and basically, a black hole is a place in space where gravity pulls so much that even light cannot get out. And that's why they call them black holes. Uh, in in theory, we can't really see them, right? Or I guess in practicality, they can't even really be seen because they're just uh, places of darkness. It's just absent of light. Map, just right. complete absent of light because they've absorbed even the light surrounding them. But that's how we find them uh, because we can see that stars and, and other celestial bodies are s- sort of, they have a gravitational pull pulling them toward this very dark spot where nothing really exists to the naked eye. But the gravity is so strong because matter has been squeezed into a tiny, tiny, tiny space. And this can happen, for example, when a star is dying. If there's a star that's large enough, it sort of implodes upon itself and and condenses matter into just a tiny, tiny, small piece of uh, matter. And that creates this huge gravitational pull, which might account for black holes. And black holes, Jason, unlike wormholes, have been scientifically proven and we've found them. They can right. point to them. And, uh, you know, actually very recently for the first time ever, uh, just I think this happened last year, uh, a picture of a black hole was captured by an international team of science uh, scientists using the Event Horizon Telescope. So they, they actually were able to to take a picture of a black hole. And, and you might say, well, what was it? Just a black piece of paper? Right. <laughs> what yeah. did it look like? Yeah. <laughs> but the neat thing about it is there were eight telescopes that were synchronized uh, across the planet, uh, just sort of lined up and focused on a single point in space where scientists believe 
believed a black hole would exist. So rather than just sort of, you know, send out one camera, you know, to take a picture or, uh, you know, or, or send out a satellite or something like that. Rather, what they did is they had uh, eight different satellites all pointed at the same place. And I think they even had to synchronize the time of day because they were all across the world and they had to wait for perfect weather conditions in all eight locations. And they said that they actually found maybe four days in the year or something like that where the, the weather conditions were perfect in all eight locations. And wow. They all, yeah, they all snapped the image at the exact same time. And they were able from that to composite what the black hole looks like. It, if you look at it online, it's easy to find. It sort of looks like a, a fuzzy ring. So there's a, obviously a black hole in the center. And then there's some orangish yellow light surrounding it. And it's very fuzzy. And um, I, I think the idea there or what they were going for is they were snapping pictures of the light being drawn in around the black hole. Okay, that's 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 the uh, that particular light's last call, so to speak. That's it. It's, it's getting sucked in <laughs> forever and evermore. Right? And it, yeah. it, to never, yeah, to, to never return. So the idea or the reason that black holes are so fascinating for those who study tri- time travel is that if we can move a spaceship around a black hole at the speed of light, so obviously we're talking about things that are very impractical, but, but if, if we could, if we could, you know, not say, you know, the technology is obviously not there, but if we could move a spaceship around a black hole at the speed of light, understanding that the black hole is this massive gravity sink and therefore is bending space time around it, we might be able to travel into the future, theoretically. Stephen Hawking, in his latest book, uh, before he passed away, wrote, Around and around they go, experiencing just half the time of everyone far away from the black hole. The ship and its crew would be traveling through time. Imagine they circled the black hole for five of their years. Ten years would pass elsewhere. When they got home, everyone on Earth would have aged five years more than they have. End quote. So Stephen Hawking at least entertain the idea a little bit that it was possible if we could overcome the technological difficulties of moving a spaceship at that speed, which is impossible, <laughs> getting a spaceship to the black hole, which is impossible. <laughs> but if. But, but if, if we could overcome those technological difficulties, then theoretically, if we could circle that black hole many, many times, uh, you know, while space time is being bent then perhaps we could half the amount of time that's passing in our reality versus the reality that's passing for right. our twin on Earth, right. for example. So that's that's kind of cool. That's I mean, very that's, cool. That's exciting. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a hard concept to really kind of grasp. It's almost like as you're talking about it, you have to grab onto the table. <laughs> and kind of like, a, you know, you go like, okay, yes, yeah. and then nod. Okay, got that. You know, <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a really, really cool uh, topic to talk about. Yeah, it took me a little while to digest it. Like I said, it, it's very scientifically dense. There's these top level analogies that you can use with the fabric of space time and a blanket and a bowling ball and, That's right. and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of mathematical calculations and precision behind each of these theories. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it's it, it's, it's wild. It's probably past algebra two. <laughs> I would, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. That's that's probably correct. Uh, so, Jason, if we are going to time travel, you know, I mentioned the, the spaceship, I'm talking about the black holes, you know, there's there's various ways to do this. But what can you tell us about a machine 
perhaps that would be the actual time travel vessel. So what about a time machine? Uh, well, it has had very different looks uh, throughout history in movies and, and in literature. Uh, and the idea of time machines has been around for a long time, uh, really ever since time uh, travel became popular uh, in literature and novels. Mankind envisioned that it would take some device in order to travel through time. A few examples of uh, these include the uh, uh, Yeo DeLorean and Back to the Future, uh, the Time Sled from the novel and the movie, uh, The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, uh, the Time Turner from uh, Harry Potter. Are you familiar with that one? I sure am. Yep. <laughs> uh, and of course, the telephone booth. Uh, do you know what I'm going to say right Doctor here? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. The, the, uh, <laughs> That's the, good. The TARDIS there. Uh, but what is interesting is that early literature that featured time travel as a central theme did not focus on a time mach machine per se, uh, just that time travel somehow magically occurred. Uh, an example of this uh, would be Rip Van Winkle, uh, oh, written yeah. by Washington Irvin in 1819, uh, which is you know roughly 75 years before H.G. Wells wrote the time machine. It's just that it just somehow happened. You know, but in the real world, it's difficult to imagine time travel without the use of a device uh, or a machine. So what the device would look like would be very interesting. Uh, you would assume it would be uh, very aerodynamic. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm assuming as, as, as aerodynamic as possible. Yeah. And would have to have a power source to propel it as close to the speed of light uh, as possible. Right. And, and such a thing probably... Probably doesn't exist, I would imagine, right, at least right now. Right now, it does not, no, because uh, we can go very fast, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about how fast that we can go uh, just, in, just in a little while. But whatever we have, whatever device, uh, whatever time machine that we have, it's going to have to go really fast. Right. I mean, like really fast. F faster than 88 uh, fa miles fa per hour. Faster than the 88 <laughs> in the DeLorean there, absolutely. But if we were to be able to do that, uh, like you said, that time would potentially slow up yeah. if we were going that fast. So if you had a loved one here on Earth or a twin, and then you came back you know, a few years later, that you would have aged differently than that person. Uh, and that's one of the paradoxes right. when we talk about time travel. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what is meant by a paradox? I can. And usually when people are talking about paradoxes, they're talking about logical inconsistencies. So there's a lot to unpack if you're thinking about time travel, not just from a scientific standpoint, but also from uh, just a logical standpoint. <laughs> right. and, and one of the most famous paradoxes associated with time travel is something called the grandfather paradox. I've heard of this one. Yeah, and, and the grandfather paradox is a logical problem that would arise if a person attempted to travel back in time. So go with me on this journey, Jason. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So the name comes. Get in the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, hop in the DeLorean. Let's get the flux capacitor up to whatever gigawatts and let's, That's right. uh, let's hit it. Uh, but the name comes from the idea that if a person travels uh, to a time before their grandfather had children and kills him or otherwise stops him from you know having children, uh, it would make their own birth impossible. Right. No, no grandfather. No father. Seems logical. No you. Right. <laughs> right. That's how it works. Uh, so if time travel is possible, it somehow has to avoid this contradiction, because if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, then how did you go back in time? It sort of puts the, the cause and the effect order out of sync. Right. A little bit. Yeah. You know, and that, that's one of the most basic things we understand about the logical world is that the cause happens first. Right. right. But if you were to, to put it out of sync, then, you know, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> right. of, it just doesn't yeah. make sense anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Reality is just turned on its head. And, you know, 
time travel is one thing. The logics of it uh, is just a completely different beast. But there's a couple different ways that scientists and philosophers have accounted for the grandfather paradox. And one is the theory that there could be multiple timelines. So it's the idea that reality is somehow fractured when someone goes back in time and changes an event. So if you can just think of a, a timeline uh, running from left to right, that's that's the normal timeline. And, and the far left is the past. The far right is the future, you know, and you're a dot somewhere on that, right. that straight line. If you go back in time, uh, say you go back 20 years, you're going to move left on that timeline, moving back into the past. And theoretically, according to the multiple timelines theory, whenever you intersect that line, it's going to break off. And sort of drop down and create a new reality. So the other one is, is going to persist, you know, as if you never went back in time. And then the new one is going to carry forward based on whatever you do whenever you travel back 20 years, you know, killed uh, a relative or so whatever, like, so you know. There's like here. literally multiple realities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that gets into like even philosophical, oh, you yes. know, type things. It, it, it's it's wild. Uh, you know, the plot thickens, <laughs> as, as they say. And uh, that's one theory. So perhaps there there are multiple timelines and that would account for the whole grandfather thing you know you kill the the relative or stop them from from having children etc it doesn't matter because it's a whole separate reality etc but the second theory that accounts for the grandfather paradox is um, it doesn't really have a name but it's just the thought that the time travel traveler has an inability to change anything that no matter what they do once they travel back into the past they won't be able to alter the future. And, and you know, there's just uh, this idea that some unknown force of logic would prevent the time traveler from altering the past. So, you know, they, they go in with a gun to shoot their relative. And water comes and out. And water comes out, you know, or, or the gun jams up, or they trip on a banana peel. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, something just, just prohibits them from, from actually changing, you know, the past in any significant way. And I think there's been some literature and movies that's kind of played on this idea a little bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Stephen King book, the one uh, yeah, about JFK's uh, assassination. I think it's 11-22-63. Yeah, in, in that book, uh, the main character, he stumbles uh, sort of in, onto a wormhole right. uh, on Earth, I guess, so to speak. And uh, and he's able to to be transported back to the '60s, and and while he's there, he is hoping to prevent the assass- the assassination of of JFK. Yeah. And so yeah, so we've seen uh, movies. Another movie that was sort of similar is is called I think the name of it's Looper, I believe, oh, yeah. with yeah, I with Bruce that. Willis. I think I think the person's in that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a very interesting one when you're talking about time and time travel and going back. And there there are tons of tons of books and and movies that have explored this concept because it's something that it's I think time travel is something that's easy to think about like what would you do if you could go back or what would you do if you could you know flash forward 20 years from now sure so the concept on the surface I think is easy to think about but then when you start getting into the the science that's a whole other matter (laughs) (laughs) oh it absolutely is so let's say that we could account for the grandfather paradox. Say that just goes away. It, we can logically explain it. Something else that often comes up and when you're talking about time travel is if time travel is possible at any time in the future, then why haven't we been inundated with visitors from the future today? 
Why, why do we not right. see time travelers just showing up, you know, on a daily routine just to kind of take a tour of Mount Rushmore or, right, you know, one <laughs> yeah. of those things? Interestingly, several experiments have been conducted to entice time travelers to come back and demonstrate it to people in present time. <laughs> it's like a sort of like a two for one sale, right? That's come right. Back. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. Uh, we'll sell you this uh, flux capacitor half price. <laughs> buy, buy one, get one free. Uh, Carl Sagan once suggested the possibility that time travelers could be here but are disguising their existence or are not recognized as time travelers, which is possible. You know, maybe sure. they understand our culture well enough. They're not aliens. They're just going to kind of blend all. in, right? <laughs> right. They're just going to blend in. Some, and In fact, some versions of general relativity suggest that time travel might only be possible in a region of space-time that is warped in a certain way. And hence, time travelers would not be able to travel back to earlier regions in space-time before this region existed. So to kind of unpack that a little bit, perhaps at a, in a distant point in the future, maybe, uh, you know, this we, it's, it's 2020, you know, it's uh, January 2nd, 2020 right. today as of this recording. Let's say uh, on January 2nd, 2021, that something happens in the fabric of space-time that now allows time travelers to come back to that specific point, but they can't go beyond it for whatever reason. So that's one theory. That's that's one thing that they say could account for. It's just limited to a, yeah. a, a specific time. Exactly. Or, or perhaps it's limited to uh, when the time machine itself was actually built for, for some reason. You know, they could, okay. they could only go back to that specific point in time. Uh, again, this is all hypothetical. Sure. You know, it's all conjecture. We're kind of getting out into the realm of speculation a bit. But, but that's, that's what, what time travel is. That's, and that's what, we, what do. we do. That's right. This is a podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's it. Uh, so Stephen Hawking stated that this would explain why the world has not already been overrun by tourists from the future, because maybe they, they just can't come back this far for whatever reason, right? So in 2005, MIT professors and students organized a time traveler convention where they invited travelers from the future to attend. So this was a group of professors and students. It was widely advertised. In fact, it was publicized and included on the front page of the New York Times and the magazine Wired. And they were just saying, at this point in time, on this day, they even gave like the longitude and latitude if, if that was important. <laughs> you <laughs> well, know. you never know. It may be. You never right? know. It absolutely could be. But they advertised it and they said, you know, come on down. We're, we're going to be hosting a time travelers convention. We'd love to see you. Love to hear your story. Love for you to, you know, share some of that sweet time traveling technology <laughs> with the right. world just in case though that no time travelers came you know the event uh, included lectures on various aspects of time travel and there was actually a delorean that was on display it was right next to what they called the landing zone they actually had a space designated where that specific longitude and latitude pointed to in case the time traveler were to suddenly appear in a spot. So they had it marked off. I mean, it was roped off. It was there. They had a DeLorean sitting next to it just for show. <laughs> wow. There <laughs> was some great. forethought put into this. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. You know, as these things go, no time travelers are known to have attended <laughs> the event, <laughs> you know. And it's interesting. We we thought in today's scientific terms, well, they needed longitude and latitude. That was our assumption. But Jason, what if they needed something else? What if they needed like uh, the temperature outside or yeah, yeah it, it's just unknown Who what knows? variables yeah. you know they would need to, to actually do this but unfortunately at least to us nobody showed up nobody showed or did they <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right so jason when you're looking at the body of evidence here and you're thinking about black holes wormholes all these paradoxes the the fabric of space-time reality everything that you know goes into this and and the current thinking on it 
Is it possible? C- can we do it? What What do you think? Uh, you know, you're a you're a time traveler. I am, Shannon. <laughs> uh, uh, like I said, I've been to Paris. Uh, yeah. You know, Egypt. Sure. Uh, just today, Mount Rushmore. Uh, I think I may go to Australia tonight. I love go it. back a couple hundred years ago. Nothing major. <laughs> you know, that's good. Just something small. It's really interesting to think about because, you know, like you said earlier, in theory, everything that we know and everything that we have measured kind of points to the direction that it might be possible, but we just can't get there. Right. And I kind of like picture it as imagine if we had a boat and we're trying to get to Europe and but our boat will only go for one mile and then it will sink. And so you think, you know, I believe if we just had a bigger motor or better sails or somehow a faster boat, a more durable boat, if we just had a way to continue that and maybe to get there faster, eventually we could get there. But 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 theoretically, I think it's possible if we go this direction, if we had the you know, enough resources and the right resources that we could make it to that destination at some point in a way. You know, it might, you know, maybe it's a bad analogy, but in a way, that's sort of what time travel is, is that we have some indications, you know, based on some of the uh, the uh, time tests, like the, the uh, atomic clock you were talking about earlier and yeah. flying in jets and leaving one clock on the earth and, you know, they're being off. You know, there, there's some proof time. there, at least yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Some the, hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you know, we have you know, we have some some scientific data that proves that there is something there and uh, we really can't tap any further into that right now, but it's possible. But to talk a little bit more about maybe some of these speeds, the, these incredible speeds, you know, that it would take to, to, you know, pull off what we're talking about here. So, you know, one of the things that we, that we hear a lot about in science is the speed of light, right? Yeah. So light travels at 186,282 miles per second. Okay, so oh, let's so let's just, I want to kind of let everyone digest that for a moment. So the speed of light, one hundred eighty-six thousand two hundred and eighty-two miles per second. That is also six hundred and seventy million six hundred sixteen thousand six hundred and twenty-nine miles per hour. So to put that in perspective, if you could travel at the speed of light, you would be able to circumnavigate Earth seven and a half times in a single second. Goodness. So that's the kind of speed that we're talking about when we're talking about the speed of light. So, you know, how fast can can we go? So currently the fastest man-made machine with a man in it can go 2,193 miles an hour. That's even faster than I thought, but so still nowhere close. That right? is faster than I thought. So I'll back up. So I'll give you this number one more time. Uh, the, the speed of light, 670,616,629 miles an hour. So the fastest we can go in a man-made uh, vehicle is 2,000. 193 miles an hour. Now, the fastest man-made machine uh, with man not on board is actually uh, the Parker Solar Probe, and that was launched about a year and a half ago, and it's on its way, you know, toward the sun. And as it's going, it will reach speeds of up to 430,000 miles an hour, hmm. and that sounds crazy. But that's not even but still not even in the ballpark. Not really. even in the yeah. ballpark. Yes, I mean, so we're talking about in terms of science. You know, we are hundreds of 
a tenth of a percent away from where we have to be. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's what's tough to sort of envision that it's a possibility you know, when we're so far. But again, there is that little piece of data there that right. shows it's really uh, just a matter of having the resources. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the overall major idea here, again, is that, you know, is, is that gravity curves that fourth dimension, you know, known as space time that we've been talking about. And, you know, time runs slower wherever gravity is, is, you know, is the strongest. Sure. So to answer the question, is time travel possible? Uh, I like to lean on the side of yes. Uh, maybe someday. I think it is possible, uh, but we just simply don't have the resources to pull it off. Uh, but, you know, if you were to ask people in the 1800s, you know, could we fly across the world? They probably would have said no for the same reasons. Yeah. We don't true. have the resources. Right. Uh, now, you know, it happens every day. Yeah. And, so. and to hear, you know, that we can travel 2,000 plus miles per hour with a man on board. Right. And, then, and then what did you say? Was it 400 and some thousand with uh, just an empty vessel flying through space? Yes. Yeah. 430,000 miles an hour. I mean, that was probably unfathomable to, to people in, you know, ancient times who were traveling half a mile an hour. Oh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Just, just thinking, yeah. oh, that, that's impossible. We will never be able to do that. Right. And so, you know, you never know. I mean, looking down the road 50 years from now, 100 years from now, you know, we've came a long way in the last couple hundred years oh, yeah. in terms of technology. I mean, people that are listening to this podcast right now, you know, probably. <laughs> in their cell phone while traveling in a car that didn't exist a couple hundred years ago. That's true. You know, so uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I've heard it said that, you know, anything that we can imagine what will, you know, might someday be possible given time and resources and technology. And, you know, it's not too far from the truth. Like you said, there are things that we couldn't even think about, you know, even 50 years ago or so that are just very common day right now. You know, I, I heard that cell phones were so many thousands and thousands of times more powerful than some of the first computers, you know, and just thinking about that. And, and these computers would take up entire rooms of oh, buildings. Yeah, and now it's literally in the palm of your it's hand. It's literally, you know, it's accessible to, to everyone and, and everybody. So I, I find it fascinating. I, I think it's really cool that there's some science to back it up. Uh, I, I think we're still on the cusp. Well, probably not even close to the cusp. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's out there somewhere uh, in the future. <laughs> That's right. We will get there. That's right. We're, we're on the track. So, Jason, do you, do you have any more uh, on the topic of time travel? Uh, I, I don't think I do. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the show. And, you know, Shannon and I were talking earlier about uh, the idea of, of doing this particular topic. And, of course, it's New Year's. I mean, yeah. as you say, today's January uh, 2nd. So we thought, uh, what better time to do a time travel episode than to do it around New Year's? Absolutely. If you uh, have an opportunity, please remember to uh, like our page on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can reach us with the handle at Slapdash Pod. Thanks so much for listening to the show and take care. Mm-hmm.